Welcome back to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Professor Craig Hawkins. One more hour to go. And uh, we have a few lines open. Give us a call with your open, honest questions. Eric is waiting for you. Uh, the toll-free number, one 888 talks one 528 2557 once again one triple eight LA talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven uh right now we're gonna go to the Torrance area we're gonna talk to Marilyn Marilyn welcome to the show how are you doing Marilyn are you there Hello. Hey, hey. yes I am all righty um, I asked the call screener if instead of a question I could just relay um Kendia. thank you to Professor Hawkins regarding a couple of radio shows that were on many, many years ago that I happened to listen to. And through these shows, um, I came to Christ. And I just wanted to relay this um, thanks to him. He would probably remember the shows. They were many, many years ago. Well, well he's, but... he's on the line, so, <laughs> so, go, so go right ahead, Marilyn. Okay, did he hear what I said? Craig, you there? I, I did, and I, I just cannot thank you enough for uh, taking the time to tell us that. You know, we know that. We know people come to Christ, uh, but it's always so wonderful, Marilyn, to hear from somebody specifically. Well, I want to know the story, Marilyn. The yeah. story? Yeah, I want, I want well, to hear this. I, I would have my kitchen radio on. I was in the kitchen a lot. I had many children, and I was busy with family, and... Um, my husband's not a believer, and I was—I believed in God, but I—I I truly didn't have—I—I I didn't have it correctly at all. And this just put everything together for me. Um, what I heard, the truth that I heard, and all. Not only that, but it was just the kindness um, in the voices of um, not Professor, and there was also another program next to his. Uh, both Christian programs, and I gained so much from those, and I did come to Christ as a result of those two programs. I know it's very, very late, many, many years later, but I thought this is a good time, and it's about time, because I've listened to your program now for some time. I, I really enjoy it on Sunday. Well, thank you so, so much. And praise God that... Uh you know the uh, you 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 had the radio on and you're listening and uh, and you gave your life to Christ. So it's that's yeah, that's the best best thing you could ever have done. Well, thank you. Um, I also appreciate um, the fact that I haven't had a lot of time um, for extra schooling or whatever, and I really appreciate the fact that Professor and others would share the knowledge that they have gained from hard work. I'm sure uh, gaining an extensive education and just sharing it unselfishly with others, it, it really has makes a great difference in our lives. Amen. Craig, you want to add to that or say anything? Well, I just want to thank Marilyn again. I really appreciate it. Um, what she's done, I want to thank her. It's no, it's it's a, it means it's very meaningful to us, very significant. And Marilyn, just curious, and about how many years ago, approximately? Do you remember? I mean, I'm beyond just, twenty years, I think. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it was a different station, and it was in the afternoons and okay, weekdays. Sure. sure. Okay. Well, anyways, I, I, still, I'm just I'm delighted and. 
yeah, it's been a few years, but you know what? I'm sure glad you did tell us. So thank you so much. Thank you, Marilyn. You have a merry, merry Christmas. Have a blessed Christmas. And we wish you the best. Okay. And um, and uh, and again, keep listening. And uh, by the way, how, how, your husband, how how is that going? Where is he? Um, well, I'm a caregiver for him. He's in the hospital right now. Yeah, I was he spent a good deal of time during the summer, and now he's in again. And I'm care. I'm hoping that he'll be able to come home. And I'll just resume being a caregiver, but it'll, it'll be even a little more critical this time. He's, he's 83. We're up wow. in years, and uh, that's my task right now, <laughs> my main task. Yeah, we want to pray for you. What's his name? We want to pray for him. Uh, Richard. Richard. Do you mind if we pray? Yes, thank you. Father, we thank you so much for Marilyn. What a blessing, Father. And uh Please thank you for our sister and her love for you and uh, for her husband and, and taking care of him. And and, and I'm sure that's it's difficult. I mean, she loves him, but that's still a demanding. And so we pray for Richard. We pray for his physical well-being and recovery um, from what, he, what he's been going through. Uh, and as important as that is, and we do pray for that, Father, we pray for his spiritual well-being, that indeed he, did, he does or he will come to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. And thank you, and pray you'd use uh, Marilyn, his loving wife, uh, to be a part of that. But we pray indeed that his, for his soul, his ultimate uh, spiritual healing, that he would know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So be with our sister, may your grace and favor be upon her and the rest of her family and children. And may you just, um, just uh, serendipitously pour out your blessings and favor upon her and her family, in particular her husband and his health, in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much. Thank you, Marilyn. And call in any time, okay? Thank you. I'll try to think up some questions. Uh, well, you, <laughs> you know what? As, as you read your Bible, they'll come up, believe me. <laughs> okay. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, yeah. yeah. Well, Brian, you know, it's uh, that's, a, that's a blessing because that's what we live for. It's what we do. We do to see people come to Christ, to see Christians built up in their faith, to give answers, uh, to mo- to model sharing and witnessing the gospel, uh, that's what it's all about, Brian. It doesn't get any better than that. That's, no, it's a great Christmas gift for me. Well, he, <laughs> well, I, I I had a really good Christmas gift today too, Craig. I'll I'll share it with you and the listening audience. Uh, you know, I went to the um, I went to uh, the church service at uh, Court Church this afternoon, and uh, the uh, uh, my brother came down from Santa Barbara because that's where he lives, and mm-hmm. you know, to spend some uh, spend uh, the weekend with us. And you know, tomorrow we're going to visit my mom as well because you know the situation with my mom. So we went to the uh, three thirty Christmas service at Core, and I mean it was, it was it was phenomenal. It was really really good. And then uh, Pastor Steve uh, had the altar call, and guess who went up there? My brother. And so, wow. yeah, so uh, my, my wife started crying and she was really happy. You know, tears were coming out of my eyes as well, you know, because he's my big brother and, you know, good uh, guy. Literally, your big brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> six, seven. <laughs> People look at me, I'm six, three, and I'm the shortest, I'm the shortest male in the family. Uh, my dad was about six, six, four, my brother, six, seven, but, uh, Man, it was just a blessing if, uh, to see that happen, and so uh, 
it's funny. I talked to Pastor Steve after he said, I knew he was your brother. When I looked at him, he said, that has to be Brian's brother. But uh, praise God, you know, he came to he came to know Christ today. And uh, it was just, you know, that it just made my it just made my, you know, what a great way to end the year. I'll put it like that. So. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, and uh, let's go to, uh, oh, you know, before, uh, Lauren and Joy, hang on. Uh, you know, Craig, you know, what, what, you know, it, it's amazing when, when you think of the passage where, you know, one plants another waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And, you know, just just sharing the gospel with people, or or and you know it it doesn't mean you have to convert a person that day. It's just sharing. You know what I mean. And I think back of your buddy who called in, and he said the the he was a Mormon, and um, it was like years before he came to Christ. But it was just what you shared and witnessed to him. And I think he said there was a question he couldn't answer or, or something that bothered him and he couldn't, he couldn't uh, have, he didn't have an answer for it. But, you know, it, it's like if, you know, if, if, if you share the gospel with someone or share Christ with someone and maybe they don't respond or maybe you have a negative response, you know, you, you did your part, you know, you, you know, let the Holy Spirit take over from there because it could be like that gentleman, you know, 10 years down the road uh, uh, that he comes to uh, Christ or just someone listening to uh, the Word of God or, or listening to the gospel over a period of time, coming to know Christ. And so, um, you know, I just encourage people, if nothing spectacular happens uh, in your mind that you might think, uh, when you share the, when you share the gospel— and you share Jesus, don't don't be discouraged. Just move on and talk to the next person because you just never know uh, how God's going to uh, use that person or other people to water and plant and continue to plant seeds with that individual where they may come to Christ down the road. So just wanted to share that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you talk about William. In fact, William is actually... Uh, going to school, but uh, going to ministry full time. So I know I do come to Christ, which is just awesome in and of itself. Uh, but the need to go into full time ministry. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, okay, Craig, we're going to go to Lakewood and we're going to talk to Laura. Laura, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, fine. How are you? Doing well. Laura, your question for this evening. Okay, in uh, Luke two fourteen. The King James Bible reads, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the last clause of this verse is different in the critical text. And so it reads, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of goodwill. And then modern versions paraphrase the modern text, and they'll say, like the NASB, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So I was wondering, or I read that this seems to contradict the Bible doctrine of man's depravity, and if you could explain the textual support for the modern reading, and if there is, if that is a true uh, meaning you could get with the modern translation, that it contradicts 
the Bible doctrine of man's depravity. Craig, you get, did you get that? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. And we're talking Luke two fourteen, right, Laura? Yes. Yeah. Let, let me let me get there. Um, yeah, and, and and sometimes there is ambiguity. I was actually reading a great article by Daniel Wallace, who's just a superb Greek scholar, New Testament scholar, and he was actually commenting on the question actually came up last week as well, Brian. Um, and I just happened to be reading something after the fact by Daniel Wallace on the, the passage from Matthew 6 about the Lord and patience. Right, right. And, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and, and my point, Wallace says, is that sometimes there is ambiguity in the text, and he believes God has done that on purpose. That God allows an ambiguity, and that we need to struggle, wrestle with it, and that there, there's benefit, that there uh, is a reason for that. Um... Well, let me let me look at the uh, critical text, uh, the textual apparatus. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. A second here, Laura. Um, I, I get I get the question. I just want to uh, double check something here. Uh, so, uh, for, well, I'm looking something up. And people who don't know, um, the Bible is remarkably accurate, but there are things called variant readings. There's almost literally six thousand. Uh, what are called Greek manuscripts. Greek manuscripts, about 6,000 of them. These are actually registered in Munzer, the Universite, the University in Munzer in Deutschland, in Germany. And uh, they've, so they're actually officially registered. And, and some of them, there are what are called variant readings. They're not contradictions. Well, sometimes they read, but they're just, they're, sometimes they read differently or a different word order. And sometimes they would say different things. And so that's in part what Laura's asking here is, uh, among these variant readings or interpretations of this, at least, how how, how should we understand this? And uh, I'm going to argue. Laura's making a point, and I want to. Um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, just a second. Here, just, I'm trying to walk and chew gum. I'm reading what's called you know, the textual apparatus and. The Greek text, for example, I use UBS, what's called 4th Edition, United Bible Society, and then there's the Greek text, and then below it, if there is a variant reading, then they all have that. And then they have notes, and then they rate the readings. And so if there's several readings or possible readings among the thousands of Greek manuscripts, then they give it like an A, B, or C, or worse, of, of what they think. And uh, in the texture apparatus, they, they're arguing that indeed it is... Uh, among men of goodwill. Um, and so that's their view. They give that an A. Uh, then they mention a number of, from origin to uh, major manuscripts that, that support that, uh, that reading, uh, the, uh, the uh, what's the word I want? Not Byzantine at all, but um, uh, anyways, uh, like Alexandrinus and others' uh, manuscripts supporting that reading. So. Let's just say a couple things here. So I would probably lean towards, and I also have the Nestle Alon, what's called the Nestle Alon text. I have both of them open in front of me. That's what I was looking at. Um, and Nestle Alon actually was the same thing. Um, uh, we're in the highest to God and on earth's peace among men of goodwill. So peace among men of goodwill, that's probably what I would lead, uh, what I would... would, um, would uh, 
the, the reading I would favor. Now, go back one more time just for sake of listening and give the options one more time Then I want to comment on them and then your part about some of these seem to contradict patches that there are no good then. Would you, could you mind repeating that one more time, Laura? Repeat um, that the, it seems the, the, to contradict you did, the doctrine of man's depravity or... But you did that, but you you gave the major uh, readings of it. I thought that you did a great job on that. If you could just do that one more time, then I'll oh, okay. on that. So the um, like King James would say, yeah. "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." Mm-hmm. And the critical text, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward men of goodwill." And then a a, a paraphrase that the modern versions tend to use is. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Mm-hmm. So the last one, one more time, I apologize. The last one was which version? Uh, the New American Standard. Yeah. Glory to God well, in the highest. Oh, you heard it. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, and, 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 and please read the King James Version one more time. I'm sorry. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Yeah. And so here's the issue. Here, here's the issue. I, while I like the, the New American Standard in many ways, I, I do not agree with the, that reading um, from the Greek text, and I think theologically it's problematic because um, uh, he's not pleased with them. Uh, that we are sinners. That is, he loves us, but uh, we, we are sinners, and we are under the wrath of God. So it doesn't deal with a lot of passages. The the issue here, among others, is. Um, Man, I keep losing my spot here. As I get older, it's harder and harder to read really small print. Um, uh, the, the word here actually is "n," and, and the, the preposition has different meanings depending on whether it's it's dative, accusative, uh, you know, what noun it modifies, um, or uh, uh, if you will. Um, so, so it can have multiple meanings. But I would argue, in context, my understanding for what it's worth, and theologically. That it's that it's peace among men of goodwill, uh, or as even the KJV said, I'm I'm okay with that. I actually found the KJV, and and uh, and goodwill towards men, and that God does have goodwill towards us. We don't deserve it. So let me just say two things. I'm fine with either um, uh, not not the New American Standard, but the KJV reading, or the other one. And here's why. Because God does have goodwill towards us. We don't have goodwill towards Him. We are not kind. We are not gracious to one another often or to others. But God is always towards us. Um, and sometimes now that's executing judgment or punishment, but that's still what we deserve. But I would still argue it's still done from a holy and righteous basis. On the one reading of, of uh, peace among men of goodwill, I, I'm, I'm open to that one, and here's why. It's not saying that people are good, but that, that, but Christian, not even just Christians, but non-Christians can at times express goodwill towards one another. So here's the idea. This is not denying total depravity. I do hold to total depravity. And for those who don't know, total depravity doesn't mean that everybody's committed every single sin, so everybody's a mass murderer or whatever, but it means whatever it means to be human. Not only do we have the potential to commit every and any sin, but that... Every aspect, every facet of our being, whatever it means to be human, that is radically tainted or marred by sin. So, for example, my emotions, my intellect, my will or volition, all of that is tainted by sin. There's not a part of me that's not marred by sin. I'm going to argue 
most importantly, that I believe this is the biblical, indeed the New Testament teaching, to be sure, I would argue, and the Reformers, certainly Luther and Calvin and company, uh, said the same thing. Uh, but nonetheless, there can be, uh, through what's called common grace and whatnot, that still at times humans can express kindness to one another. In other words, there are times where someone's stranded on the side of the road, and not everybody wants to stop and rip that person off or beat them up or rob them, but there are some people who will stop and help. Now, we can debate perhaps their ultimate motivation, but there are times where people can be gracious and, and kind to one another. Another name for this is called civic righteousness. It, and what we mean by this theological term, Laura, and you probably know this, but I, I'm, I'm for the rest of our audience, because I know you're pretty astute on these matters, um, civic righteousness doesn't mean that they're righteous before God. It doesn't mean this person is perfect or doesn't need salvation. But civic righteousness means in the sense of someone is not just openly ripping people off or abusing people or what have you. Oh, yeah, they're a sinner. They still have their imperfections. But but uh, they're not selling heroin to kids or something like that. They are in a civic context. Uh, that is, as far as we can discern, towards one another, they are uh, acting according to righteous righteousness. Now, they're not completely righteous. They're not righteous before God in the sense of they can earn or merit salvation, but they're, they're not at least ripping people off or whatnot. They are behaving uh, uh, appropriately towards fellow human beings. So in that sense, and from the ambiguity of this preposition in the Greek text, I can accept either that peace among men of goodwill or people of goodwill or the King James Version uh, uh, reading of that where I can't accept personally the, the NASB. Does that, does that help? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah. And by the way, and oh, and sorry, let me just say the last point to, to put the chair on top here. Yeah, and the other again, one more time, contradict scripture. Because people, it says people are not basically good. People, uh, we are sinners. We are radically fallen. We are radically marred. So this, to me, is in my view that I accept there are those two readings are accords with the Greek text, number one, uh, perhaps first and foremost, most importantly, because that's where we get our theology, and it does not contradict the doctrine that is clearly taught that we are, we are not righteous in and of ourselves. So anyways, thank you, Laura. That's a great question you asked. All right, Laura. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Bye. You are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Professor Craig Hawkins. Um, boy, Craig, about 30 minutes left and um, uh, about 35 minutes till Christmas. Let's go to Costa Mesa and go with our friend Joy. Joy, how are you doing? I am wonderful, blessed, and I want to wish you all a wonderful, God bless you, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. I can't believe you're on the air tonight. I came on a little bit late and went, wow, they're on, so it's Yeah, wonderful. and just so you know, we, we, we'll we have a recorded show on next week. We won't be on next week. Uh, okay. Yeah, because okay. by the time when we end the show, everyone's going to be with their families and friends saying Happy okay. New Year, so... Well, not uh, everybody. I'll also be in, yeah. uh, in Malaysia. I will have already celebrated New Year's. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a day earlier. But, that yeah. is true. It's just really special you're on tonight. Thank you. And the questions I've heard, I haven't caught all of them, but they've been really good. Really, very deep questions. Wonderful. Joy, do, do we have your phone number and or, or uh, uh, a number where we can text you or email you? Um, I don't know if you do or not. Okay, because... Uh, um, I sent uh, I sent a, a couple texts out today and an email out letting everyone know we're going to be on air today. So, oh okay. After yeah, I'd love to give my phone number. Okay, after um, 
after we finish with your question, I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to give you to Eric, and he'll get your information, and I'll put it in my uh, database. Great. I appreciate it, and it was so wonderful. that. Uh, and thanks for your reminder, Brian, about sowing the seed and just, you know, one water, one plants, and, you know, God gives the increase. The Amen. So that was a great reminder. And that woman that accepted the Lord, wow, that's so wonderful. Well, my question is from Psalm 2, and I said verse 7, but also verse 8. But And I think I asked this question a long time ago, I'm sorry, but um, part of it I forgot. So he says, um, the Messiah's triumphant kingdom, and yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. So I think once you said today isn't in the Bible necessarily today. And anyway, but then the begotten part. Like if I were to explain it to a Muslim, today I have begotten you. You know, I can imagine the things they would say to me. So what would I say? Yeah. Let's try that one more time. I want to get that straight. So so we've talked about this before. You mentioned... We mentioned uh, sharing with Muslims and about the idea of Jesus being the monogamous in Greek, the only begotten. Right, Joy? We talked about that because you've been sharing with some Muslims. And then, I'm sorry, I apologize. Well, say it again. Say it again, begotten. No, say it again. I'm sorry. Well, what what did you, what was that word? Well, monogamous is the word. And uh, the only begotten, and I would argue that the word in Greek means literally uh, whatever, what does only begotten mean? Uh, some like origin argue for what's called eternal generation, and there are many Christian theologians who hold that. I do not hold to what's called eternal generation. Let me just make three points here and then come back to something. So I don't hold to eternal generation. I would argue, and uh, others would argue, such as um, D.A. Carson and others, for example, in exegetical fallacies and that, that monogamous means literally unique or one of a kind. Latin sui generis, and that is he's unique, and he is because he's the only being of all eternity who is fully divine and fully human. You know, God the Holy Spirit is just completely divine, as is the Father, but they are not, nor will they be human. You and I, of course, are human and will be perfected someday, but will never be divine. Uh, so he is indeed sui generis, we say in Latin. He is in a category unto himself. He is a u- completely unique. So manas. Uh, the idea of a one alone only, monogamous, the only begotten, that is the, the unique or only one of his kind. So mm-hmm. I hold that to you as opposed to what's called eternal generation. Number two, of course, was we shared was a, a couple weeks ago, and that's not several months now, when we talked last about this, I believe, that the Muslim thing, so, you know, like God somehow was having sexual relations with Mary, and he was like chiding you, like, come on, how can you believe that? And, of course, that's not what we believe. That would be repulsive to a Muslim, and we don't believe that either. So now we're coming back to this third point. What does this mean? And, again, I'm going to argue it is that he is the unique or one of a kind. Now, could you, I'm sorry, with that, Joy, me, hopefully that was slow enough. I apologize. Now, if you could reiterate your question, I can attempt to go at that one again. So today, though, the word today, again, explain that, today, because it's what happened. Today he's begotten him, or, you know, no, but what does today mean again? Well, it, it just means literally, I mean, he's just saying today, I'm, uh, today, this day, 
uh, I'm announcing this on this day. In other words, Jesus is not just, he's not born every day, but literally, we call this, here we go, let's try this. So himero is the Greek word for day. Um, but it's a saying. Uh, remember Jesus to the thief on the cross. He says, today. Now, someone say, well, today I say to you. But no, no, he's saying today. Literally, you're going to be with me in paradise. So the word today has a number of meanings, right? It can be today I say, or right now I say to you. Or it can be, you know, today something's going to happen. But it also means the idea, today means in the sense of, uh, there's a Greek word, there's two major words for time in Greek. One is chronos. And we get the word chronological, right, or chronology. And it has the idea of sequentially time, right? So that's chronos. But there's another key word called kairos. And kairos is the appointed time, a specific time. It is a, it is a not sorry, a crisis, but it is a uh, unique time in the sense of something definitive, something decisive has happened. And so let me say this. You know, I, I'm, almost, I'm pushing 60 here. Next year I'll hit the big 6-0. Brian's already there. <laughs> but, <laughs> sure, I can't resist, but I'm about there next year. You know, and so, I mean, I've lived a few years, in other words, but there's some days that were uh, of radical importance. If you say, Craig, well, what were some of the days? Well, the day I got married to my wife, for example. That was a very special time. I mean, it's, there's times and then there's times, if you will, and that's that kairos. So, right, at the appointed time, think of Galatians. At the appointed time now, here's where I want to go. In Galatians, at the appointed time, the Kairos, God sent his son, uh, born of a virgin, right? Let me I can give you the passage in Galatians. And so that's what I'm arguing, as we say, when he says, today I've begotten you. Not today I had sexual relations with Mary, that's just blasphemous. But today I'm announcing, today I'm telling you that you are the... Jesus was brought into the world. Now, the problem is we messed up the calendar, and we don't know exactly Jesus' birthday, but let me do the best I can in all honesty. Somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C., I would argue the best calculations we can make would say Jesus was actually born sometime between 6 and 4 B.C. God could say, today I've, I've begotten you. I've brought you into the world. You are unique. You are one of a kind, and I have brought you forth. Uh, through the Virgin, uh, through, uh, born of the Virgin Mary, by the Virgin birth, and he brings them forth into uh, the world. That's my understanding of that. He says, today I have begotten you. Today I have become your son. You have to also remember uh, these uh, Greek-like English, uh, uh, the one that the same word can have multiple meanings, right? It has multiple meanings depending on context. So oh, to begot, right? Genia, mm-hmm. Genia. Ganao, to begot here is the idea can be to to create something. It can be literally to be born or be created. The angels weren't birthed. Uh, they were not cr- created by uh, sexual relations. They are they are a direct creation of God. Yet you could still say that He brought them forth, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's I when Jesus old... came to earth. It's when Jesus came to earth. That's what in this sense begotten means when He came as Christmas when He became yeah. Human. Yes, That's exactly. Okay. Oh, thank you. That that I get it this time. Really got it. And then the well, next verse. What? Mm-hmm. Did you want to say something more? No, go sorry. go go ahead, Joy. I'm I'm actually trying to find the verse in Galatians for you. Uh, oh, that I wanted to yeah. share. I do know that one, but go ahead. You can tell me it. But anyway, verse eight says, "Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession." I think that's what brought me, I was reading that just this week, and I thought, why 
to ask of me? Why would the father be saying, you know, to Jesus, ask of me and I will give you the nation to your inheritance? It's um, a figure of speech. That's all. Okay. Uh, in other words, Jesus doesn't... Uh, let me. So here we go. Uh, kind of a key theme tonight or something are idioms, figures of speech, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, colloquialism, uh, are figures of speech. Uh, that guy's off the wall. Um, he, he's out of his mind. I'm beside myself. I mean, think of that. What do you mean you're beside yourself? Well, we know what that means, but it's not meant to be taken literal, right? And so mm-hmm. God, the Bible is filled with idioms. There are idioms or figures of speech. Um, and so an example would be of ask of me. And, and, and what that means is really, well, in other words, if, well, if Jesus doesn't ask, I'm not giving it to you. No, it's, it's, it is, it's just it's a, it's a way of simply to figure and saying, in other words, uh, you would ask, you will ask, it is yours, and I will give it to you. Now, I could, Craig Hawkins can ask, he's not going to give it to me. It doesn't belong to me, right? Let me, let me give you another example. Here's, here's one, but, I hope this will... Jesus would ask this, excuse me, um, Professor, that Jesus would ask of the Father? Like you're, well, like he doesn't, just... well, he, let me go back. He doesn't need to ask. Uh, it, it's just a figure of speech. It's, he, God's not saying, God the Father's not saying, well, if you don't ask me, I'm not giving it to you. But it's the idea, uh, you can ask of me and I will give it to you because it belongs to you. That's the mm. point. It's a polite way. It's an idiomatic figure of speech. Um, you know, in many languages, for example, if they want to emphasize something, they say it twice, right? Typically mm-hmm. in English, we do that some as a joke, but we don't typically speak that way. That's just an idiomatic way of speaking uh, to put emphasis. We put an exclamation point. They sometimes just say it twice. Let me give you one more example. Man, I'm still trying to find the passage in Galatians, but let me just say this. Remember in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, and what does God say when God comes at the time he normally had fellowship with them? And what does God say? Do you remember? What's the question he asked? Where are you? That one? Yeah. Yeah. And think about it. Why is God asking, where are you? Does God not know? Are the open theists right? God really does not all knowing. He doesn't know. No, it's a figure of speech. God's after something. He knows fully where where he is. And when he asks, what have you done? He doesn't need Adam to tell him. He already knows. But it's, it's implied. These are rhetorical questions. Where are you? Oh, I know where you are. You're trying to hide from me, right? So think of a rhetorical question. What have you done? I already know what you've done. I wanted you to tell me because you need to confess and own what you've done. And so it is, it's a rhetorical question. Ask of me. Jesus doesn't have to ask. It belongs to him. God's simply using a rhetorical question to say, this belongs to you, and I will gladly give it to you. That is, to Jesus, all the nations as inherent, because he's the ultimate creator, everything belongs to him. So think of it as, an, again, one more time, not just as an idiomatic expression, a uh, figure of speech, but specifically the type of we would call a rhetorical question. Okay, that makes sense. All right, Thank Joe. You. Yes, very much. Thank you so much, and again, God bless you. Merry Christmas. So God bless you. Yeah, the Bible does things like that, Joy. So right. the Bible uses these idiomatic phrases, it uses satire, it uses sarcasm, uh, uses metaphors, similes. Uh, the Bible employs, you know, many genres or type of literature and figures of speech, uh, but there is a literal meaning, and that's where we're going with this one. Okay. All Perfect. right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, Joy. Greg, we had a 
we had a um, question from Yvonne. He says, first of all, I'd like to make it clear that I believe God of the Old Testament is God Almighty. He said, earlier this week, a well-known ex-Jehovah Witness uh, does YouTube videos exposing the Watchtower organization, did a video stating uh, through use of scripture that God in the Old Testament is Satan. He believes that because the God of the Old Testament is a God of war and violence and Jesus uh, who is who is in the image of his father is so loving and peaceful. Another ex-Jehovah Witness also does uh, videos about the Watchtower, did a rebuttal video showing that God of the Old Testament is God Almighty. Have you ever heard this belief and how would you help uh, to show others that the teaching that Satan is God of the Old Testament is a heresy? Here are the links of the book. Okay, so they had the, the, she sent the links of both the videos. So basically, you have an ex-Jehovah Witness, maybe two of them, one saying that Satan is uh, uh, Jehovah or uh, God is, is uh, of the Old Testament is Satan. And in um, the, uh, the other one contradicts the saying God of the Old Testament is God Almighty. Yeah, sure, we've heard of this. This is, you know, there's there's the old saying from Solomon: "There's nothing new under the sun." Sometimes the names or the phrases or the ideas slightly change, but the, some of these ideas have been around forever. The, some of the Gnostics held this idea. There was a guy named Marcion, and he uh, was messed up in his theology, and he they believed that he did not believe in God of the Old Testament. He said the Old Testament God was evil, and so therefore some equate evil that he was Satan. That's kind of the connection there. Why? Because this God judged people. He was angry with people. He, he, he brought down punishment on people. Um, so the idea was there's two ways at least this has been done. Number one is, well, okay, it may not be evil, but the God of the Old Testament is not the Demiurge, if you will, often the term the Gnostics use. The Demiurge, found as in the Old Testament, and again, Marcion and others said stuff like this, is not the God of the New Testament. Jesus is a nice guy, real nice and that, meek and mild, wouldn't harm anybody. And this guy in the Old Testament, he's a, he's a bruiser, he's mean. Um, so either they're simply not the same God, and well, I guess maybe he had some electric shock therapy or something, or literally that the God of the Old Testament is evil, and Jesus, of course, is not. And this is all messed up, and it's been dealt with over the years. First of all, if you deal with any major work on Gnosticism. So if you look at the book Heresies by Harold O.J. Brown, Harold, and then literally the initials O, as in O, and J, as in J, Harold O.J. Brown, um, he has a section on Gnosticism. Now, there's various types of Gnosticism. There are people like Serentius, Basilides, Valentius, so on and so forth. By the way, uh, we know from church history particularly in 1 John, that John, his nickname the Apostle of Love, one of the inner, you know, three core disciples of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, um, he actually was dealing with a, with a, a Gnostic named Serentius. And that's why you have passages like 1 John 4, 1 through 3. 1 John 4, 1 through 3, every spirit that denies that Jesus has come in the flesh, which means literally it's not just that he came in the flesh, he's still in the flesh. That is, he has a human nature, is what that means. That's an idiom. There we go. There's another idiom tonight. Uh, we've been talking about that. And that is a direct slap in the face towards Gnostics and Gnosticism. He, and we know from church history, we were told by some of his students and others in church history, that he's dealing with a guy named Serentius, who's a Gnostic. Okay? Also, by the way, in John 1.14, 
again, the Gnostics denied that, that, that God, the divine, would, be, would take upon itself flesh. Uh, that they just found that just blasphemous, abhorrent. And John, in John 1.14, when it says the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, John, in the Greek text, Greek is a, a more amorphous language, it, it, it's very precise, but you can move it around more. In the Greek text, if you read it, if you look at it, find it in what's called a, maybe an English uh, transliteration or something, you'll see that the word flesh, sarx, and, um, and logos, the word for Jesus, uh, the, the word that is referring to Jesus, are put right next to each other. We call them bookends, or butted together. So literally the text reads, reads logos, uh, sarx logos. Uh, or Lagos Sarks, remember. Anyways, it's one or the other. But the point is, they're right together. Th- that would just give the Gnostics apoplexy, a heart attack, a fit. So this idea, uh, what I'm trying to say, has been around for a long time. And it's simply not true because, by the way, first of all, this term hesed, H-E-S-E-D, would be the transliteration hesed, variously translated mercy, kindness. One of the best translations, I would argue, is loving kindness. And this term is used hundreds of times in the Old Testament regarding God, uh, the God of the Old Testament, that he, is, uh, he, lo- he manifests loving kindness. He is kind. He is merciful. He is gracious. And so, yeah, God judges people. Look, uh, in, uh, was it Genesis 15, the Amorites? He gave them 400 years to repent. How much time do you have to give somebody? Talk about long-suffering. 400 years? Pretty safe to say they're not going to change if it's gone 400 years and they haven't changed. So God, even in the Old Testament, still emphasizes loving kindness, still manifests grace and mercy. And yet, and by the way, meek and mild Jesus still came to judge people, still came the second time, but he came to separate people. Uh, A father from his mother, or or a a child from his parents, a, a husband from his wife. He came, he said, not to bring peace but a sword. He divides people. Now, not a literal sword like a jihadist in Islam, but in the sense of that he divides people. Look at America. Look at the great divide. Look at the culture wars. Conservative values and views in Christianity versus not. Look in the Republican Party. Conservative Christians versus others. Uh, They're duking it out, if you will. So this idea that somehow God's mean and a bad guy in the Old Testament, he's really nice in the New Testament, I would argue he's nice in both, that is, he's gracious and merciful, but he's also holy and righteous and just, and he judges people radically, profoundly, who will not repent in the Old and in the New Testament. So, yeah, this, is, this is, idea has been around a long time. The Jehovah Witnesses uh, have some similar views, obviously, as you're seeing here, some of them do, that is, um, and uh, it, it's been roundly refuted. You look at books like Harold O.J. Brown, again, his book, Heresies, has a whole section on Gnosticism and deals with these type of views and books that just deal with the deity of Jesus, like, uh, Brian, the book I mentioned earlier, Robert Bowman, uh, Putting Jesus in His Place, deals with this as well. Putting Jesus in His Place. So Satan, uh, Lucifer, actually, as he's called, or Satanas, as he will, uh, he's the devil, what, he's the slander of the adversary, um, uh, is not the God of the Bible, no matter how one slices that. That's just... That's messed up, as we say. All right. Thank you so much. Let's get to, uh, let's go to South Bay and talk to our friend Dan Craig. Oh, yes. Dan, welcome to the show. Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for being there and putting on this wonderful show. Uh, And I'm sorry you're going to be gone uh, 
won't be here next week, but I understand safety will be yes, great. Yes, I will be in, the, are supposed to be in Malaysia this time next week, yes. Yeah, and I didn't realize that uh, you were going to be gone. I, I remember you talking about it last week. I didn't know it was so soon. Uh, where you're going, did you just guys see that movie recently? What was it called? Um, it had to do with the people from on that border from uh, Myanmar. Uh, on the border between Cambodia and Myanmar, the Karen, Karen. Oh yeah, I, I saw I saw previews of that. Oh, it's a good movie. Okay. Uh, it's a true story. You know, it's 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 not the greatest acting, but it's a pretty good movie. Uh, the story is true, and it's based on an Episcopal priest that took his first church, and they were ready to close it down, and because of what they did there with those people. They had up 250 uh, Karen people, refugees, uh, and what God did with those people. It's 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 really good. I'm not going to kill the end of it, uh, but it told the story of those people that came from there. There's people on that border. They get they're they're stuck in between. They're Christians. They they were Episcopals, Anglicans. They were converted from when the English were there in Burma, and so now they've been marginalized out there. And the ones that weren't killed. Most of the people were killed, uh, girls raped and women and men killed, and all that stuff that they do, um, and they got pushed out. They had no place to go. Um, yeah, many so of those that, are indeed the, the Chan people, yes. In fact, some of the people I work with are Chan. Mm -hmm. No, this is K-A-R-E-N, like the woman's name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, actually, there's other parts of India as well. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, anyway, you're going right there to that area. If you're anywhere near the border of Myanmar, and you've been to Myanmar recently, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm re recommending that movie as well. I just can't think of the title right now. I'll, I'll bring it up while, while we talk about the question. Yeah, let's get to that because of time's sake. I want to make sure we don't, we don't miss out on the question. That's right. Oh, i got to get outside because of the dog. And I'm going to flip you over to my earpiece. Dog okay. doesn't like us, huh? Uh, no, he just wants to go out, and I'm not ready because I'm doing this. Reinhold Niebuhr and uh, Paul Tillich, uh, Lutheran theologian, famous. Uh, both of them, I guess, are around their 20s when they started. Um, both powerful, uh, both um, philosophers. Um, I was listening to Walter Martin talk about about uh, American Christian uh, liberalism, and he used two, those two names, amongst other names, to say where it came from in the in the uh, universities, the, the theology professors, how they were, how it was infiltrated and coming from our own, um, how where all the liberalism came from. So, what do you think about it? Well, yeah, there's no not about, doubt about that. Uh, Niebuhr, there's H. Richard, and then Reinhold, there's two brothers. Uh, one wrote the classic work, uh, Christ and Culture, um, but his brother, again, they're both pretty liberal. Uh, by liberal, I'm not talking politically, per se, I'm talking theologically, denying essential doctrines. Uh, Germany's I mean. an interesting place. A big part of my heritage is German, so I can say this. Ich bin Deutsch. I can, and of course, I had somebody say, well, you can be a racist towards your own people, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's possible. But um, 
um, you know, have been known for higher critical views, which I mean liberal in the sense of theologically so. Or the Germans sometimes are too smart for their own good, or they're not as smart as they think they are. Um, so these guys are very, very liberal, uh, like Brunner, um, uh, Boltzmann, and others, the bees, as we often call them. And, uh, and so, yeah, and uh, so let me even say this, you know, Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer, I'm not saying you, uh, you didn't ask, but I'm throwing him in here for a free beats Christmas, or here's a Christmas gift. Uh, people not, may not like this, but there's a, a an academic journal called uh, Fides et uh, Historica, Faith and History, um, in Latin. Um, anyways, and they did a wonderful, a phenomenal job an article years ago on Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer denied all essential Christian doctrines. He did not believe in the deity of Jesus, did not believe in the bodily resurrection. I, I don't doubt he was an ethical guy, and he certainly stood up to the Nazis or tried to. I respect him for that, but he was not a believer. And just trying to baptize him into the faith of some conservative by many ministries is just all wrong-headed. Um, and people just want, because he was he martyred did. didn't make him right. Right. There were there were people who were heretics who who got martyred. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody, but they work doesn't being martyred doesn't make you a Christian. Yeah, exactly. That's so right. look, this is this this is hands down at the end of his life. You look at his views. Uh, he never recants them. He's in print uh, numerous times. Bo- uh, sorry, uh, uh, Bonhoeffer. I'll get to it in just a moment. I haven't forgotten. Um, so he, he, he clearly was a non-Christian. His views were non-Christian. And so, sorry, Eric Metaxas and other people put him in the books, seven men who've influenced the world or what have you. With all due respect to Metaxas, uh, Bonhoeffer should not be in there. He wasn't a believer. Um, you know, this, you're in my neck of the woods now, philosophy, okay, and history. I have background formally in both of those. And so I'm a, a P with me on these issues. Uh, look at Tillich. Tillich, now again, well, I'm, am I saying humanly speaking he wasn't a nice guy? I'm not saying that. He, he definitely didn't agree with the Nazis. He came over, I believe, actually to Harvard and taught at Harvard. Tillich was a profound thinker, a deep intellect. He was brilliant. Um, he was brilliant, probably yeah. a genius, but that doesn't make him yeah. right. But he was a non-Christian. He was heavily influenced more so by existentialism. He was an existentialist, but he was not right. Christian. Once again, that's what I didn't always... get behind his name. It says existentialist, and I yeah, got how, I have... how are you going to be a Christian and be existential and be? And well, be a I'm going to argue you can't. There are Christian existentialists. I, I think they're wrong. Uh, we can debate. <laughs> Kierkegaard was a Christian. I think he was. I disagree with much that he said, although I like to read a lot of him. I have read a lot I of him. I do, too. I like some of his stuff, too. He, he, I mean, he's incredible. He's a tragic soul. What a, a tragic life. But did, but anyways, uh, he may well have been a believer. There are other people who are would be existentialists who call themselves such explicitly and perhaps really are Christians. But here's the problem I have. Existentialism, as anybody knows about its core, think of names here of, of like Jean-Paul Sartre, for example, uh, Camus, for instance, and a lot of French, <laughs> or Frenchmen uh, and women or existentialists. Most of them aren't believers, though. Yeah, well, I know, because it seems like this. Existence precedes essence. I am what I am not. I am not what I am. And that's the idea. People have no essence, no nature. They're nominalists, not metaphysical realists. People know what I'm talking right. about there, and so therefore, people don't. You don't have a nature and essence till the day you die, and then who cares? You're dead. So yeah, there is no objective, <coughs> universal meaning. So here we go. There's no universal objective meaning or purpose to life. You must authenticate yourself, and that is by choosing. And to not choose is to make a choice. They would say. 
So again, you must choose, you must bring being, you must, uh, to, to be is to do, is another way they'd say it, is you need to, you, by making choices, you bring meaning and purpose and significance to your life. Otherwise, there is no meaning, purpose, or significance. Now, that's radical, at least particular atheistic existentialism. And Tillich was all over that. Tillich was totally into this. His views uh, you know, radical intellect. I have many of his works. I've read a fair amount of Tillich. I had to do that as well. And it's decidedly not Christian. And and so I don't... Look, if someone tells me I like to read Tillich and Boltman and Bruner and uh, H. Richard and Reinhold Niebuhr, the two brothers again, yeah, I get that. I, I, I have a fascination for intellectual works as well. And Bonhoeffer. But if you want to tell me they're Christians, we've got a problem. And I'm not being Didn't mean or Niebuhr judgmental. Change, Niebuhr changed because most of his really radical stuff was in the 20s. But later in his life, much later in his life, he got a lot more conservative. His politics changed. Uh, there are a lot of presidents <laughs> that quoted him because of his politics. When he was talking about that kind of stuff, he, he was more moralistic. He didn't talk anything about Jim, Jim Christianity I, I, into it. I have to jump in. We, we're, we're down to our last two minutes. So, um, Dan... Uh, I wanted to say thank you for a uh, for your great questions this year, and looking forward to more uh, next year. Um, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, thank you again for your calls and your good questions throughout the year. Thank you. I love you guys. The okay. movie's called All Saints, by the way. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Father, in Jesus' name, uh, bring Craig back to us safely. You take him into some treacherous places, Lord. Protect him and bring him home safely, and let all the work that he does be very effective over there helping a lot of people and and saving saving a lot of souls in jesus name amen, amen. thank you dan pray pray for me guys when you find time uh my wife says, dan we got to go we got to go dan right, bye bye yes, so i didn't mean to cut dan out but we had to craig you got about now you got about uh 30 seconds well, at the appointed time, Paul tells us, God sent forth a son, born of a vir- uh, woman, born of a virgin, the Savior of the world. And that time is really what we celebrate at Christmas. It's about Jesus Christ. So indeed, Christ is Christmas. Christmas literally means in Latin as Christ sent. Absolutely. Receive God's gift. That is his son, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brian, I appreciate people's prayers for me as I travel to Thailand, Malaysia, and Cambodia next Wednesday leaving. And we need people's financial support, Brian. They can get the write-off and know they're supporting, hopefully, a worthwhile ministry. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for uh, just another blessed year. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Um, Don't forget what Craig talked about, having Jesus Christ in your life. So that being said, on behalf of... Uh, our engineer on behalf of Eric, our screener. My name is Brian Allen on behalf, again, of Professor Craig Hawkins. Thank you so, so much again. Merry Christmas, and uh, we will see you in 2018. Good night. God bless.